Recently, our daughter Lily persuaded us to watch the series Stranger Things with her. Same way Miles got us into Doctor Who a couple of years ago. So we're well into the third season, and it's entertaining. It's like a horror, science fiction thing steeped in 80s pop culture. Spielberg and Stephen King and all that. And I guess what it has in common with many of the Doctor Who stories is this this, this sense of uh, the familiar becoming strange. Hence the title, right? And menacing, you know, it's the basis of nightmares, you know, uh, all that anxiety and instability, shivering underneath the commonplace things we rely on, emerging like suddenly to wreck the sense of consistency and safety most of us need. And, um, man, I know that feeling. It's uh, tough when the stuff that you value and trust changes and what you counted on is taken away, life gets scary. Sorrow overtakes you, fear overtakes you, and uh, it can knock you down, man. But you can't just accept it and live like that. I mean, I guess you could, but you you gotta find a way through it and uh, restore what you can, protect what you still have and adapt to whatever's coming. So that's what you try to do. And for example, some of you who heard the 4th of July special, you might understand that I consider that an elegy for America. You know, I didn't want to get into that on the show because it would screw up my intentions with the show. Just trying to lift up things that meant and mean a lot to me. Beautiful, real, sustaining things that I love very much. So I didn't want to darken it with uh, those kind of ponderations. Well, maybe be pretty much a waste of breath anyway but uh, you know I just wanted to celebrate certain things and whether they're lost or just hidden or just misplaced I don't know they do deserve celebration and we deserve to savor these pleasures as long as it's possible to do that but it was an elegy because some things just end nations summers friendships and podcasts and you move forward because you have to you don't want to be mired in sorrow. You've got to decide, like a, just like in a nightmare, you got to decide to wake up. You ever had that feeling? You know, you realize that you got to get out of here. And it takes a lot of effort sometimes, but sometimes you can. And you just make that decision and end it. Ah, that's more like it. <laughs> If an end is what you call it when something stops, it's also a good word for something that's achieved, right? A means to an end. So sometimes you have to invent that on the fly, you know? It's not, uh, it's not there, you have to create it. You have to draw the beauty and truth out of something by will. You know, that's the creative act. That's uh, how individual humans echo God. And you just do that over and over again, as much as you have to, as long as you can, and then that's a life. So, uh, right here, and for now, welcome to Buckaroo Holiday. Streets full of people, all 
In order of appearance, you just heard Chad and Jeremy's version of Everyone's Gone to the Moon, a sad song about alienation, followed by Please Don't Come Back from the Moon by Charles Mingus, performed there by Mingus Big Band. Everyone's Gone to the Moon was written and originally recorded by Jonathan King in 1965. Chad and Jeremy's version is very similar, and I might have played the original, except that Jonathan King gives me the creeps. Being a sort of an Anglophile as a youngster, I knew a lot about Jonathan King because he wrote for the British magazines and was behind a lot of different projects. He discovered Genesis, produced their first album, produced the first 10cc record. He was around for a long time. Might still be, I don't know. Um, But he was one of these uh, Jimmy Savile types, if you know what I mean, apparently. And that gives me the creeps. But uh, before I even knew about that, he struck me as a uh, kind of a Kim Fowley type. Now, him I met, and he is one creepy guy. Or was, I should say. But they're kind of music business gadflies, you know, involved in a million different things, never really becoming um, prominent in any one particular thing, uh, but always involved. He seemed to be uh, kind of a uh, sarcastic, kind of effete, kind of superior type, Jonathan King did. Um, And... It hit me one day with Everyone's Gone to the Moon that he must have written this. I, I, I kind of know this, this sort of like, I, I just, it, I flashed on it. What can I tell you? He decided to write a pop song according to the formula of Moon June Spoon, right? And literally doing that, which is the kind of cliche of the uh, cookie cutter lame pop tune, you know? So as pretty as the song is, and as evocative as it is, it seems to be filled with contempt, I think, for the listeners, for pop music. I don't know if you know what I mean, but it's a pretty thing, but it has some kind of alarming emptiness in the middle of it. So there's a mythological beast called the basilisk, and the basilisk kills things with its gaze. So when the basilisk walks around, everything it sees is dead. So it thinks of the world as a dead place. And I think that's kind of what Jonathan King is to me. (laughs) Now, Mingus, in the early 60s, Mingus decided to do a concert of large-scale pieces at uh, Town Hall and convinced the record label to do it as a live recording. So everything was set up and the date was set and the musicians were booked and the audience came and uh, Mingus just hadn't gotten his shit together. And... Apparently, as the concert was happening, copyists were still writing out parts and giving musicians their charts to sight-read, and the concert was a debacle. Gunther Schuller, I think, years later, replicated it properly. I think after Mingus died, maybe? I could be wrong about that. That piece was one of the selections from that concert, and here it was performed by Mingus Big Band, which was uh, overseen by his widow, Sue Mingus, Same guy who co-produced my uh, albums, Willoughby and Magic Beans, Paul Bagan, was the sound engineer for Mingus Big Band. And he worked with Sue Mingus extensively. Tip of the hat to you, Paul, in the vasty realms beyond. I enjoyed working with him. Too bad it was my music. (laughs) We might have gotten somewhere. But anyway, after all that yammer about the two songs you just heard, I acknowledge that I only chose them because of the titles. 
<laughs> There's a message there, but we don't need to belabor it. You're listening to the final filter for good taste. Now, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Search me, but the guy said it, right? So, uh, must be. Anyway, I'm going to play a bunch of music here, okay? This has been a fair amount of talking. How's about some Yes? Have I ever played Yes? I'm not sure. I'm going to play Countryside by Yes. One of these outtake type numbers. Then I'm going to play a track by a band you have heard here before. The Knits from the Netherlands. With the great R.J. Stips as a member. Blue Things is the name of this one. Wasn't there a Cream song by that title? Could be. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Then I'm going to play something by an Ethiopian saxophone player. And I'm going to try his name here. Getachu Mekuria. Last name is M-E-K-U-R-Y-A. And it might seem like a weird stretch to go from uh, this pop band from the Netherlands to him. But actually, he was very popular in the Netherlands and played a lot there with a Dutch band called The X. But this is an earlier piece of his. It's called Musica Hewete which I guess means, uh, hey, wait, music. Maybe not. Had a really unique and self-created sound. Something about the kind of groove these songs get into that he plays and the, that strange sound with that saxophone against that uh, kind of cheesy-ish organ. You know, it's beautiful, beautiful, mysterious sound. I think you're going to like it. And then if I want to play something else after that, I will, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, no chains on me. I'm a free spirit over here. But I think we'll start with a wacky kind of a record. Why not? You know, let's get this heavy mood shook off us. You know what I'm saying? The song is called Slow Down Seymour, credited to a band called The Pledges. I don't believe they existed, but whoever they were, they did this. Hi, baby, dig my new wheels. Hop in, let's go for a spin. It's cool, man. What is it? It's a new lasagna Mark IV, DBKXM, 42 and a half C. Wild, huh? Come on, babe, let's split. Seymour. This car's here. Ten forward speeds and three neutrals. I just got the engine back from the Army. They were using it to test the Jupiter missile. Where are we going? What's the matter, baby? You flip too easy. Don't you dig the car? Watch this. I'm downshifting into six. What's that rattle in the back? I got a spare car back there. A mascara Gavat Mozzarella X13. Man, she clocks 360. Slow down, Seymour. This heap's got a nose cone and a jet-propelled supercharger. So man like she moves. Gee, but isn't this car kind of small? Ah, oh, you kidding? We piled a whole senior class in it last week. 27 kids, everybody but little Irvin. Seymour, you notice anything different about me tonight? Real smooth swing chassis. Seymour, you know, it's getting late. I'd better go home right now. Crazy doll, we're almost there. Where? We're making a beach scene. Slow down, Seymour. What do you mean? I'm only hitting 90 and low. Seymour, I want to go home right now. I told my folks I'd be home before the end of the week. Baby, you know something? I got six four-barrel carbs under the hood. Man, like this car came in first to Sebring. She won by 200 laps without a driver. Man, them fellas down at the Cape sure did a great job. Watch this, doll. I'll put it in the tent. I dig this last shift. It requires a countdown. Hey, what are you doing, Steve? Five. Hey, four, hey, what are you doing? Three. Hey, stop that. Two, oh, no, what are one. you doing? Ah! Ah! 
I was a soldier in your time I had a river in my spine The sky and the sea You loved me That's when the rain stopped That's when the snow fell That's when the sun came through the clouds That's when the rain stopped That's when the snow fell That's when the sun came through the clouds There's so many blue things This world, the sky and the river and the sea, you love to me, love to me.
Eckes. Eckes. Can I start again, please? So that was a little lanyap, as they say in New Orleans. It's a short track entitled Any Little Way by Bankle the Explorers Club, who I've been exploring lately. And I'm going to play something else by them in the show because that's just a short one, and I really dig them. They obviously have this strong Beach Boys aesthetic, but their music and even their graphic design and everything is really steeped in that era of pop music and that includes Backrack and A&M Records a lot of the acts that were on A&M Records in the late 60s and early 70s that sort of sunshiny groovy square vibe they really nail it usually I don't like bands that are kind of pastiche acts it just doesn't satisfy because it's uh, recreating something you know it just doesn't uh, get it usually you know, like a lot of times people say to me, oh, you're, you're into Scott Walker, then you'll probably like dot, 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 you know, and I listen to it and it's like, yeah, well, I, I see that, that this band is doing that, but it doesn't get there. This gets there for me, so I'll play something else f- from them later. But for now, let's you and I discuss the upcoming set. Pull up a chair. Let's talk about it. Let's rap. A while ago, I played a track by a guy named Jake Thackeray, who was a kind of a humorous singer-songwriter from England. And he's a bit of an acquired taste, so I don't know how that track went over with people. But I'm going to play another one by him. The thing with him is he, like, as I said, he's humorous, so a lot of people don't like his sort of humor. It might seem kind of effete and Flanders and Swanish, maybe. And his singing is kind of like Boris Karloff. You either go for it or you don't, I guess. I've started to really appreciate him more and more. And this is not a funny song. It's a love song. It's got humor in it. And it's got this great repetition in it that I like. And beautiful melody and chord changes. I think it's a moving love song. Slowly Our Eyes is the name of it. And then from a beautiful love song by an Englishman to a beautiful love song by an Irishman, Danny Doyle, who I had the pleasure of drinking with after one of his gigs out here on Long Island. He was a favorite of my dad's, and we went to see him, and... He joined us at the bar afterwards, which was fantastic. It was a wonderful night. And a lovely young woman drove me home, which was also memorable. I had meant to play this on an earlier show. I'm not sure if I ever did. And if I did, eh, you'll hear it again. Shy guy with a desperate love for this woman in Cavan. And he has to travel, as the song says, 12 long miles around the lake to see her every week uh, and kind of court her. There's a word in it called Oter, which is a series of small lakes 
that are between Kilachandra and Kevin. And on this long walk, he's rhapsodizing about her, talking about how the, the leaves of the trees as they turn in autumn remind him of her hair. And he looks down at his feet and he notices in the puddle the broken pool of sky. It's just uh, deeply romantic and beautiful to me. And there's a different kind of beauty in the music of another Ethiopian, Emahoy Tsege Mariam Gebru. All right, that's the best I'll do with that one. If you look up E-M-A-H-O-Y, the rest should be filled in for you. She's a nun. I think she's about 100 years old or so, if she's still alive. I think she is. And for a long time, she's composed these piano pieces and performed them when she was younger. They have an elusive beauty, and they're uh, deeply devotional. Pretty popular with, you know, NPR types, but don't let that turn you off to it. Even smug atheists sometimes feel the spirit. Recorded in the early 60s, the piece is called Why Feel Sorry with the sister at the piano. Then we'll wrap it up with a number called April Mornings by a duo called the Moore Brothers. And they are brothers, and they got a kind of Simon and Garfunkel thing. It's from an album called Now Is The Time For Love, which is about 20 years old. But here's Jake Thackeray. Slowly our eyes to each other's are smiling And slowly together our smiles harmonize I'll hide my eyes in your eyes, in your shy eyes My hand in your hand and my eyes in your eyes We may be young, may be young Maybe we don't pretend to be wise Wise, we don't know what we've begun Maybe all we can see now We see now with brightening eyes Nobody knows what we know No disguising and no need to hide what we now recognize I'll hide my eyes in your eyes In your shy eyes My hand in your hand And my eyes in your eyes We may be young, may be young Maybe we don't pretend to be wise Wise we don't know what we've begun Maybe all we can see now We see now with brightening eyes I'll hide my eyes in your eyes In your shy eyes My hand in your hand And my eyes in your eyes Slowly our smiles to each other's are smiling and slowly together our smiles harmonize.
As I walk the road from Kilchandra, weary I sit down, for it's twelve long miles around the lake to get to Cavan Town. Though outer and the road I go, once seemed beyond compare. Now I curse the time it takes to reach my cavern girl so fair. The autumn shades are on the leaves, the trees will soon be bare. Each red coat leaf around me seems the colors of her hair. My gaze retreats to find my feet And once again I sigh For the broken pools of sky remind The colors of her She seems to have the eye of every boy in Cavan Town. If my luck will hold, I'll have the golden summer of her smile and to brave the hearts of Cavan men. She'll talk to me a while. So next Sunday evening finds me homeward, Gilishandra bound to work the wheat till I return and court in Cavan Town. When asked if she would be my bride, at least she'd not said no. So next Sunday morning, rouse myself and back to her I'll go. As I walk the road from Gilchandra, weary I sit down, for it's twelve long miles around the lake to get to Cavan. And the road I go Once seemed beyond compare Now I curse the time It takes to reach My cavern girl so
your hand and it's April mornings again takes me away to the days of my childhood home one little kiss and it's clear blue Mondays once more the kind the sun just carries you on bending the logs riding the wind chasing that girl letting her win shame on your eyes one wink a smile and it's hard to remember they say but touching your hand and I'm back at my high school haunts one little glance and the stars just go shooting my way side of my open heart bending the locks riding the wind chasing that girl letting her win shame on your eyes Ah, lovely. You know, I forgot to mention back there, between the Jake Thackeray song and the Danny Doyle song, I used a little bit of harp music, and that was from a Bruton library album. Bruton was a prolific label for library music, particularly in the 70s and 80s. That was a, an album full of harp pieces and transitions by a guy named David Snell, and whether you know it or not, you've heard him, session work and a lot of commercials that use the Bruton cues, including the one you hear behind me right now. Yeah, David Snell. In the upcoming set, we'll hear some more kind of library-type music. Slightly different. This is from the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. You'll hear a couple of pieces in there. People like Delia Derbyshire and so forth work there, and they early electronic pioneers creating the soundtracks for uh, things like Doctor Who, and a lot of fantasy and horror motion pictures and television shows. And I'm going to use those again as interstitials. And the rest of the set will consist of, let's see, we're going to start with Scylla Black, big British star during the Beatle era. Never really made the translation across the sea, but she was huge over there and very close with the Beatles. They wrote a lot of stuff for her. This is one of them. Paul McCartney, I think, pretty much wrote this one called It's For You. It's interesting because it kind of has the same melodic beginning as um, I'll Follow the Sun, but it's used in a more brassy kind of context. Well, brassy, like bassy, like Shirley Bassey, actually, that kind of thing. 
And apart from the radiophonic workshop stuff, the next thing you're going to hear is a song by uh, a band called Insecure Men. It's an offshoot of a band called the Fat White Family. And aside from the kind of nauseatingly smug, insulting name of the band, they seem to have this sort of hipster radical bent that made me really uninterested and uncurious about their music. But I was curious about Insecure Men. And the main reason, I guess, is the ugliness of the cover art. It's really, really awful. And I was impressed by that, so I gave it a listen. And it's kind of nice. It's it's like just this side of too much hipster, or maybe a little over the line into too much hipster. But there's something in the music. It's kind of a, to me, like uh, Brian Wilson's clunky 70s production in a, in a way. So let's just consider it a contrast to the Explorers Club and their approach to doing Brian-type music. When I was a youngster, when I was in my 20s and I was obsessed with the Beach Boys, I never would have imagined that someday it would be like the kind of dominant thing that it is in so many young bands who try to imitate that vibe and get to it. It was kind of surprising to me when bands like the High Llamas began to do that. Because, I mean, when I told people I was into the Beach Boys back in the 70s and 80s, you know, they'd be like, thought I was kidding them. So, I mean, it's gratifying in that way because people have finally heard what we Beach Boys fans always knew. Anyway, this song by Insecure Men is All Women Love Me, and it ain't true. Not in my case. Last piece of the set is going to be a song by the Duprees, which was a doo-wop group, and this is them on the cusp of doo-wop into soul, or popcorn as they call it, from around 1963 or 64. They were out of Jersey, these guys. Pretty indefatigable. They had a smash hit with a cover version of You Belong to Me that Joe Stafford did. And some other really cool records. After the hits were done, they tried to become a groovy square act with the name The Italian Asphalt and Pavement Company, <laughs> which I, I like, you know, late 60s. And maybe I'll play some of that sometime, too. You know how I love my groovy square. I think this song is really killer. It's not really doo-wop. It's not really soul. It's it's in that nether region. Oh, what's that? Hello? Huh, Scylla Black. It's for you. I'd say song. at you and love comes love shows I give my heart and no one knows that I do it's for you It's for you 
for sure it's a preoccupation of mine has always been don't know why all my life I've been acutely aware of that but uh, anyway I started this show a while ago and for various reasons it's taken a lot longer to complete than shows used to a couple of recent shows have been like that you know as I've said it's been a rough summer and when you do a show like that over time rather than in one sitting or in couple of days things develop in the intervals along the way you wind up in unexpected places and that's how it is this time and I'm only in the middle of the show but I do want to talk about something a minute because there is so little time and uh, just like I said at the top of the show about willing yourself out of a nightmare remember I mentioned that sometimes you want to just stop and will yourself to look at where time has brought you in the present moment indulge me please We've uh, continued watching Stranger Things with Lily, as I was talking about earlier. 
and she is so into this show. I mean, into it. She even got a little tattoo on her arm <laughs> that uh, one of the characters has. I kind of started drifting on the show during season three. I guess that was last week because they started laying on the Spielberg whimsy a little bit too thick. But that changed. The show got more intense. And for some reason, my identification with the time period of the story grew stronger. You know, working in the mall and stumbling through attempts at love and sex, the awkward changes and terrifying surprises of life, the um, conflicts of friendship, you know, and the music, of course. At Sam Goody, the issue of in-store play was a big point of conflict. You know, there was a lot of people working there. You had your disco people and your punk rockers and your mainstreamers and your classical snobs and all. And I would play a lot of Tom Waits in the store. And I'd catch hell from people for it because, listen to this guy, you know. Other people preferred the Cars or Madonna or whatever. But everyone seemed to be okay with Kate Bush's Hounds of Love. That album was played all the time. We played the hell out of it. Everybody did. It was nice. We all agreed on the brilliance and beauty of that album. And I was really pleased to see her become a great chart sensation again recently after running up that hill caught on with Stranger Things fans. It's really kind of a remarkable career resurgence story. But anyway, I, I wasn't at the point in the show where that song's significance had come up yet. So I didn't really get it, you know. There was a lot of songs in the show that were featured, like some Clash tune and things like that. But yesterday, we watched the episode where that song comes into play. And when it did, I was kind of gobsmacked. The way the song was used and the scenes it was involved in were so intense and emotionally involving. Uh, I was kind of gripping the seat. I had found tears filling my eyes, and it was really a shock to me. You know, I didn't expect to be that involved in this show. Shelly and I, I think, finally understood why this show has had such a grip on Lily. It's affected the way she dresses, her taste in music. For instance, she asked me last week to recommend Iron Maiden songs to her. And we play this music game in the car, like I mentioned on a previous show. And she requested uh, Run to the Hills by uh, Iron Maiden. So that was kind of cool. Anyway, also one of the recently introduced characters on the show reminded me of myself as a teen. And it amazed me that without dis any discussion at all of the matter, Lily told me afterwards that he reminded her and her friends of me. Like, weird that those kids could glimpse in this character the skinny, young, long-haired me, you know, past all my bloated, aged uh, ripening. <laughs> but I guess it told me something about continuity in life. You know, you're the same person you were in a lot of ways. And told me a lot about my girl's acute insight into my character. You know, you think they look at you like a block of wood, but kind of stunning to think she thinks of the human, not just the dad. Thing is, last week we took Lily and Adriana upstate. So this is before all this episode. We took them upstate and we visited Claudia and Brad, my in-laws. But down the road from them is this theater where one of the cast members of Stranger Things was given a concert. Lily and Adriana got all dolled up and they went to the show. And at the show, they met this performer. Her name is Maya Hawke. She's the 20-something kid of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. And apparently, she's a real sweetheart. She was very friendly and kind to the girls. And, you know, this had them on cloud nine. And then Lily posted something about the show on her Instagram or whatever it is. And Ethan Hawke liked it. So, you know, woof, pretty heady stuff, you know? So <laughs> by the time we got to yesterday's episode, there were a lot of emotional contact points established. And before we watched it, I was working on this show, and I was searching through some old folders on my computer for some file I wanted to use. 
and I stumbled across some recordings Lily made when she was tiny before all the health problems and other difficulties that have defined our lives for 10 years now. And here's a snippet. Daddy's girl, daddy's girl, I'm the center of daddy's world. So again, you know, tears in my eyes, right? I mean, thinking of the day our kids were born, it was the scariest day of our lives. They were very, very premature and Shelly was in great peril. Uh, this day was as scary as days get, you know, and we were unmoored from every normal concern and feeling. There's just this desperate kind of wartime sense of the present, just panic and incomprehension, you know. But in the middle of it all, we're in the operating room and they delivered Lily and she cried for the first time. I didn't see her yet. There was a sheet up because they cut up my wife and I heard her voice. She cried for the first time, you know, Lily was born. The sound of her nativity cry was the most sublime, transcendent moment of my life. That was ecstasy. It was holy. And, you know, then boom, the urgency of Miles not breathing right away and Shelly in great danger and right back into the tumult and terror. But holy shit, that moment, you know, and the four of us are still here. We're still struggling upstream and it ain't easy. But to be reminded of that moment and the inexpressible glory of this love, that was a real gift. And so was the electric connection with Lily that as we all shared the explosive emotions of that scene in Stranger Things. And I'm just saying this to hold up my glass to the light the way I would with Port Ellen. And that's the reason why you drink something like Port Ellen instead of just swilling the stuff you normally swill to get a buzz on or whatever. You know, you want to savor it. You want to smell it and taste it and really experience it. This is what I want to do here. I'm just savoring this magnificent blessing as fully as I can. Maybe to remind someone listening that that happens. Um, because I need the reminder too, mainly. With all the losses and failures and fears, estrangements, there's still that. And though I didn't plan on it, leaving off on so little time by the Duprees was, I guess, a nice serendipitous thing. And I can't hear running up the hill right now without a lifetime of emotions slamming hard. You know, a lot of life is awful, but some of it is spectacularly beautiful. I'm gonna play Maya Hawk. Song is called By Myself, and I send it to my spectacular, wonderful Lily. i 
piano player and a vocalist. He performed as a singer with uh, Horace Silver for a long time, and they cut a bunch of these very strange, largely unloved albums that are steeped in this, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, optimistic spirituality, I guess in the middle of a lot of uh, militancy and uh, black power, that whole era. This stuff might have seemed a little bit too kind of ethereal and dorky in a way. 
and it's uh, it's an acquired taste for sure. But anyway, he's cut a lot of that stuff. But early in his career, he had a trio with his sisters. They sang, all three of them, and he played piano. Sisters were Geraldine and Salome, and they did that version of Tammy, a Livingston Evans song that I've always liked. I think I might have played the Debbie Reynolds hit version of it on another show. But Andy Bay continued to do a lot of interesting work. I may play one of these days a version of Riverman that he did, the Nick Drake song. Really amazing stuff. And in between Andy Bay and his sisters and Maya Hawk, you heard a piano solo. That was the artist Blue Jean Tierney, generally considered an avant-gardist, but he really got around in a lot of different styles, called The Invention of Memory. And memory is pretty much the theme of one of the tracks that I'm going to play in the next set. Few people have mentioned periodically that I should play some of my own stuff more often. <laughs> I'll do that. This is going to be one from my last album called A Room of Voices, a monumentally difficult project to make and a monumentally unloved result, kind of a personal catastrophe. However, I was very happy with what I achieved in terms of the actual work, so I guess there's that. Now, playing my stuff like this in the context of real music gives me an idea of maybe what people hear when they encounter my stuff and why nobody really likes it much. And I understand it even on things that I think really succeeded. I think this song succeeds in terms of what I was attempting. I just think that what I attempted isn't something anybody really wants or is interested in. But enough about that. The song will come and go. You can get through it. Trust me. But before that, you're going to hear the song that gave me the idea to play that song, because it's a, one of these title references. My song is called To the Sea, and this song is called By the Sea, and it's by Letitia Sadier, who was the vocalist with Stereolab. The reason I thought of playing Letitia Sadier is the first song you're going to hear. It's by my beloved Serge Gainsbourg, Elle a Udon la Te'i Te'i'a. Those two words baffled me at first until I discovered that the title was just a phonetic spelling out of the name Letitia. Udon La is actually the, the E in the A. What that means is like when you see the word Caesar with that little weird A-E combined letter, that's what he's saying. And T-E, T-E-A, T-I-T-I-A, Letitia. He's sitting at his typewriter, fixated on typing out the letters of her name. And it's up to us to imagine the volumes of feeling behind the tapping of those letters. Typically brilliant Serge Gainsbourg number. For me, one of the real geniuses of song, which should only show you my courage in putting my piece of crap in the same set. So that's what you're going to hear. And at the very end of this, after my song, I'm going to play a little tiny snippet, a kind of an interlude from the opera Four Saints in Three Acts by Gertrude Stein and Virgil Thompson. So there you go. Sur ma Remington portative, j'ai écrit ton nom, Laetitia. L-A-E dans la T-I-T-I-A. Laetitia, les jours qui se suivent, hélas, ne se ressemblent pas. L-A-E dans la T-I-T-I-A. C'est ma douleur que je cultive en frappant ces huit lettres-là. L-A-E dans la T-I-T-I-A. 
C'est une fleur bien maladive Je la touche du bout des doigts Elle a E dans la T-I-T-I-A S'il faut aller à la dérive Je veux bien y aller pour toi Elle a E dans la T-I-T-I-A Ma raison en définitive Se perd dans ces huit lettres-là Elle a dans la T-I-T-I-A Sur ma Remington portative J'ai écrit ton nom Laetitia L-A-E dans la T-I-T-I-A L-A-E dans la T-I-T-I-A
consideration of everything, and that it is done by them, as it must be left to them with this as an arrangement. Night and day cannot be different. My Cherie Amour, all the way to the shore, from the lyrics of my number earlier, puts the time frame of when, you know, when that song was a hit, and I was a little kid, going to the shore with my cousins, Susie and Patricia, my nephew Peter, my mom, and her sisters, Anna and Ronnie, and those two aunts of mine were who that song was written for. Boy, I loved them. And the sea is death. Which reminds me to tell you that I uh, apologize if the tone of this show is too dark or too diffuse or whatever. I really don't know where it's at. I mean, like, as I said, it's taken time to make it. It's been a tough summer. It remains tough. It gets tougher. This really is an attempt to do what I said at the top of this show, which is will myself out of a nightmare. I certainly hope I'm not dragging you back down into mine. It's certainly a feature of everything I've done, this kind of personal thing. Spilling, I guess. I just don't know what else to do. You know, it's how I am. And I'm a little bit sad about the impending ending of the Podbean Buckaroo Holiday. Not as sad as I would be if I kept doing it, though. So off it goes, and we'll all be together on the Patreon. Some of us will be. Today's show, alas, will not feature Willie's Plastic Waffle. I have one for you. I'm going to put it on the next show, just because... um, just my head is elsewhere today, that's all. Along with this, I'm finishing up a whole bunch of specialty shows for the Patreon. Each one, I think, will appeal to some listeners and not others. That's why I'm trying to do a bunch at once, along with this self-therapy show. So more show-centric palaver later. Let's talk about the songs about to come up. First one is a song I heard on a TV show some years back, maybe 10 years ago or so. It's a Brooklyn band, so right there. What the hell am I playing a Brooklyn band for? But, you know, the the cut's pretty good. Taka Taka is the band. Everybody Say is the song. And this is the live version that they did on the show that I watched. It's not the record. If you like this song, check out the record, because it's, you know, it's a record. (laughs) I hear a little Mark Bolin and the guys singing. I don't know. And then maybe a piece of library music by Camille Sauvage, Complaint. And then a number that I meant to play in an earlier show, and again, not sure if I did or not, but I'm going to play it just to be sure. It's from a musical version of Juno and the Paycock by Sean O'Casey, and it's one of those rare musical dramas. And it didn't succeed, although I think the music is really great. It's written by Mark Blitzstein, the music. You know, I guess I'm prejudiced towards it because my dad always was deep into that Irish theatrical stuff, of course. And the musical is set right around the time when he was born. Fairly rough time in Dublin. It kind of fits this show's theme of wishing and willing. Sung by Manta Admanson, 
who was a very talented singer, but she never really got anywhere um, in the big time. But she did a lot of opera work in St. Louis. City of Joe Williams. Hey, Joe. Anyway, that about covers the set, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'll stick something in at the end right now. I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But my Sharia more. God, that song does things to me. Never gets old for me. Hey, did I ever tell you about the time that me and my friend Woody... I told you about Woody, right? He lived on Sherman Street in Brooklyn. Yeah, but we were out on Long Island.
real bad. I'm sleeping at night and my heart beats so loud that I wake all dizzy and light with a dreaming and feeling this ache. Such a thumping inside me that I think Leaning in your corner 
I was never really a Blondie fan, but um, there was a couple of songs I really liked a lot, and that's one of them, probably my favorite of them. There's something really earnest about it, and it rocks. And I felt it was time for something that rocks. Can't be all navel-gazing, you know what I mean? It's Sometimes you gotta rock, you know? And uh, that was time. It was time to rock. We just finished Stranger Things, or the fourth season of it. We're gonna have to wait, like, two years for the final season, which really is kind of bullshit, don't you think? But it was really good and very emotional. My God, it stirred up so much stuff. I'll tell you... There was all these antagonists in it. There are like Russians, Soviets. There are monsters. <laughs> there are uh, um, ominous government agents. But of all the antagonists that really made my blood boil, the absolute worst was a group of vengeful high school jocks. Like I said, the thing did touch a nerve. And not just the high school jocks, but other kind of normal types who were just scumbags. You know what I mean because I've never dealt with monsters, not real monsters. They're like these tentacled things from hell, you know what I mean? Not that type. But I have dealt with ordinary scumbags and the vengeful high school jocks. You're seconds away from music. All right, I can take a hint. Enough about me and enough about Stranger Things. Show's getting towards its end over here, so I got a few more things I'd like to get in here. Again, I'd like to thank you for your patience. Don't quite know how this show's gonna come off, but that's how it's been lately. I'm jangled, I'm doing my best here. With regard to the Podbean situation, I may pay for one more year, which seems silly, but just to kind of leave the archive up for a while because I, I've been losing so many people and so many things in my life lately that I feel like if I dropped it and the archive disappeared, I would just feel miserable, even though I will continue doing the Patreon. I just don't think it's good psychologically. You know, when I quit Facebook, there's a lot about it that's good. There, there's, um, I don't miss it at all, but... Uh, all those people disappearing from my life is still something that affects me. So uh, I don't want to do that again. So I'm going to keep the archive there, I think. And uh, it all depends on whether I can afford it or not. It's not really expensive, but these days everything's kind of closing in. So we'll see, but um, that's the plan. And there will be a bunch of the Patreon shows coming up. And after that... I'll probably do one last show here. One last new show. You're seconds away from music. Right, 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 right. Sorry, sorry. God, you know, somebody pull me aside and talk to me about this. <laughs> going to talk about this next set in reverse order, I guess. At the end of it, you're going to hear the Titans, which was one of the early doo-wop groups. And here they are doing a song by Roy Porter, who is a bebop or a jazz guy and um, there's a couple of other jazz guys playing here including Joe Sample and so it's kind of like this jazz meets doo-wop thing I think it's really really powerful and beautiful lonesome mood and that'll be preceded by Claire DeLune but not WC this will be Edward McDowell who I've talked about before founder of the McDowell colony up in New Hampshire one of the few American composers whose music I dig prior to Ives and the Modernists. None of his stuff was really as starchy as a lot of the other stuff at the time or as imitative of European stuff. And he had a beautiful melodic gift. And this piece is being performed by the Double Entente, or Double Entendre Ensemble, 
which is the cleverly named group of double reed players. So that's one reason I love it so much. They're really good. Love them double reeds. Let's see. You're also going to hear, I promised, another track by the Explorers Club. So uh, I'm delivering. So I'm coming through for you. I'm good for my words, see? It's called It's No Use. And it's a kind of a yacht rock kind of a thing. Uh, I just think they're terrific. If you like what you've heard, please check them out. They're really, really good. And once again, as redundant as I always am, you know, I may have played this before. I'd be surprised if I didn't. But I don't remember really doing it. So, uh, whatever. Here it is. It's Rod Keith. You know, Rod Keith wrote the song poems. And if you don't know about song poems, look it up. Because it's fascinating stuff. A lot of fun to explore. And Rod Keith was really the auteur of that racket. And he got these lyrics for this song in the stillness of the night. And wrote this music for it. And what uh, has always gotten me about it is that it's, uh, you know, most of his stuff is going to be kind of funny because it's so weird, so ramshackle, because here he is on speed cutting, you know, 20 tracks a day to supply the suckers with their records. But every once in a while, or actually more than every once in a while, he come up with something brilliant and left field. And this is a ballad that uh, really conveys something heartfelt. It's more powerful than most conventional songs of its type. And I direct your attention to point about the middle of the song. He sings, nights are filled with loneliness, like a ship that's in distress. You know, and it has that weird, dorky, clunky thing that a lot of song poems have. But then he sings this, at times I wonder why. And I don't think I've ever heard a more moving expression of heartbreak in a song than this line. And I'm talking Sinatra, I'm talking anybody. It just really gets you. Uh, and then... And then it, almost kind of disintegrates after that not really but you know it's it's ramshackle but he nails it and i don't judge things you know so bad it's good or anything like that it's not up to us to interpret whether it's an accident or craftsmanship or genius or any of that bullshit it's how the record makes you feel and i think this is uh, a real heartbreak and it's not a one-off by the way a lot of rod keith's records have this quality where something unique comes out of something you're laughing at puts your guard down and then you really see that this guy had a gift i'll tell you about one of the patreon specials i'm doing it's going to be about sex and i've got another rod keith song in there and it works similar magic different but just as impressive ah, come on yeah 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 rod keith in the stillness of the night in the stillness of the night You came back to haunt my dreams I wake up in despair And find that you're not there In the stillness of the night In the stillness of the night My lonely heart keeps sighing In the stillness 
of the night How I long to hold you tight Nights are filled with loneliness Like a ship that's in distress Times I wonder why Things come between you and I In the stillness of the night In the stillness of the night In the silence of my room I reach for you
Before I go, you know, sometimes I'll talk about the deaths of famous people if they mean something to me. I'm not going to affect deep loss, you know, because some movie star dies or something like that. But if it's somebody I dug, I'll talk about it. Now, Australia lost two giants in their pop music world recently. I'd venture to say the two foremost female pop singers in Australian history. Olivia Newton-John, of course, and Judith Durham. Now, I feel really bad about uh, Olivia Newton-John's suffering, because she did suffer. But I was never a really big fan, so I'm not in a position to talk about her. But Judith Durham was easily one of the greatest singers I've ever heard. As I've often been reminded by some companions, I repeat myself. And I often repeat myself telling you I repeat myself. So I'm not going to talk too much about her, because I think I went into it on... uh, previous show when I played uh, The Seekers tune, I'll Never Find Another You. She was the lead vocalist with The Seekers. Very big band in the 1960s, really hugely popular internationally. And I did like them. But the thing is, I saw her on television about 10 years ago, and her voice was spectacular, easily as good as it was in her prime. And, uh, And it was pretty damn good in her prime. So I'll close with a brief salute 
to Judith Durham. First, I'm just going to play their biggest American hit. This is Georgie Girl from the movie with Lynn Redgrave. Nobody you meet could ever see the loneliness there Inside you Hey there, Georgie girl Why do all the boys just pass you by? Could it be you just don't try? Or is it the clothes you wear? You're always window shopping But never stopping to buy So shed those dowdy feathers and fly So I lift my glass to Judith Durham with gratitude for the pleasure she gave so many people, including me. And I lift my glass to you as well as I end this buckaroo holiday. And I'm going to play one more song by the Seekers, appropriate to the occasion. The carnival is over. And so is this episode of Buckaroo Holiday. Thank you for listening. Joy!